Funding for the Hinckley Report is made possible in part by the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation and the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report as a podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe at your go-to podcast platform. Good evening, and welcome to The Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Glenn Mills, anchor and political reporter with ABC4 News. Lisa Riley Roche, political reporter with Deseret News, and Ben Winslow, political reporter with Fox 13 News. So glad to have you all here uh, tonight, because that was one late night with all of you on the Hill. for this. Yeah, fitting, it's Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, I enjoyed hanging out with you all those days, for the last 45 days anyway. I want to jump right into what happened to this legislative session, because lots and lots of bills. But maybe I want to talk about Glenn first about the flavor of this session, because yeah. sometimes you have a theme. This one was a little different. This session took on its own personality and the word I heard over and over from journalists, from lawmakers, from lobbyists, from activists is strange. This was a strange session. It started, of course, with lawmakers taking their lumps and repealing the tax reform bill. It then went on to a slower pace than we normally see because there was a backlog in drafting the bills, so they weren't coming out as quick as we normally see. And then, of course, everything changed once the COVID-19 pandemic kicked in. Last night, on closing night, it was a ghost town at the state capitol. I have never seen it like that on closing Stunning. night. It's usually packed, full of energy, and that just was not the case on closing night. So, Chuck, I can believe it. You could even get a parking spot. Yeah, when was the last time you could pull up on cl uh, closing day, get a front <laughs> row parking spot, and right? walk right in? So true. Uh, Glenn, Lisa, Glenn started with, with the, how the, les the session began, which was with this tax reform, and, and re they're going to get rid of what, all the work that they had done in that special session. Um, let's talk about a couple of efforts, uh, because the big thing was education. All right, how are they going to fund education? They had a huge amount of money, about $800 million that they were able to give uh, out, and education brokered a deal. Talk about that. Well, here's what's so interesting about this, this education funding package, right? Uh, remember, the tax reform package that was repealed uh, at the start of the session had been passed in December. That was the second try at tax reform. They had tried yeah. uh, taxing services the session before, and that it was going nowhere in the session. A lot of outcry from the business community. So lawmakers said, don't worry, we'll put together a task force and uh, they'll come up with something that everyone can accept. And of course, that was not the case. So what we ended up having this session, and, and to your point about it being strange, is tax reform 3.0. Uh, at the start of the session, when they repealed the um, tax reform package that would have lowered income taxes but raised sales taxes on food, gas, some services, wildly unpopular citizens' referendum was headed for the ballot. When they, when they started with that, legislative leaders and the governor uh, assured the public, we'll put this off, tax reform. We, we, we've, got an, uh, we've got a structural imbalance problem, but we can wait. Uh, a year or two, so we'll put it off, we'll deal with it in the 2021 session, we'll have a new governor, we'll have time, we'll have a better process. And then of course, privately, they have meetings to put together this education funding package that they're billing as a, a great new way of funding education, guaranteeing funding going forward, but it requires a change in the Constitution to allow uh, uh, 
public uh, school funding or, or income taxes that go for public school funding and higher education funding to uh, be expanded to include children and uh, people with disabilities. Yeah. Uh, and do you want to talk about that for just a moment? Because that's a pretty big expansion, right? This is a, a Joint Resolution 9, which really does get to the children, people with disabilities. Those are huge budget items that now we're going to have a chance to vote on. Talk about the... And it gives the legislature $650 million up to, to possibly spend for other essential goods and services. But yes, this is significant, and it's going to require a sell to voters, as you have to do with every proposed constitutional amendment. But you had this grand compromise that took place. You got groups, uh, the UEA, which could mobilize and effectively kill this uh, with their campaigns uh, against it. They came on board, the PTA came on board, the school boards came on board, the uh, superintendents, all of those. It really, this is going to be a little easier to sell to voters uh, as far as yeah. voting for this. And it does give the legislature that, that um, money that they can use and buys a little more time. Although the governor and legislative leaders have still warned, we still have this fiscal imbalance. We still have to address this with income taxes up to here and general sales because yeah. people aren't buying so much goods and ser or goods. They're buying more services and experiences. I mean, it sounds like we're still going to face some sort of a reckoning down the road, but we may have bought ourselves, what were the governor said, what, six to eight years or something yeah. like that? Mm -hmm. But you got to remember that not only does this have to be approved by voters, there's still not agreement on the right. language of the yes, constitutional right, exactly. amendment. We had that great moment with the, the governor, legislative leaders, and the education community linking arms. We're all together on this. Well, no, they're not. They haven't agreed on the language of the constitutional amendment, so that'll probably have to come back in a special session. Uh, we asked the governor about that last night, and he said, well, the devil's in the details. <laughs> well, yes, yes, that's true. So that agreement needs to be reached, and then you have to convince a public that already is rejected yeah. tax reform and thought they weren't going to have to deal with it again, and yet here it is. We learned a, a, an important lesson with this uh, tax repeal bill, and lawmakers heard it loud and clear as well. No matter how you try to dress up an increase on food tax, on gas tax, it's not going to go over well with the voters because those uh -huh. are the things that hit you at least on a weekly basis, and it hits you deep. And so that was paired up with a $160 million cut to the yes. income tax, and uh, the people of Utah still wanted nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. uh, real quick, I'll make a point, too. Part of the concern we're talking about as we move in uh, to the language of the constitutional amendment is, you know, how broad is the the language? What does services with children and those with disabilities mean? So as Lisa pointed out, we very well could find ourselves in a special session hammering all this stuff out. Yeah, absolutely right. But it might yeah. still be an easier sell because there's been some uh, some efforts given to education to try to ensure at least uh, convince voters that look we've pumped more money into one-time funding we've pumped more money into ongoing funding we've uh, raised the WPU to six percent these were all things that education advocacy groups um, there was enrollment growth inflation right. factor all of those things got money uh, that they haven't done before so you know if you can get these groups on board and have this grand yeah. compromise they no longer run attack ads and say, don't vote for this. Right. If they're still linking <laughs> yes. arms come September, October, then there's probably a good yeah. chance that this That's when you'll pass. know they found their balance. Yeah. But one, one of the issues, though, with, uh, with that, that whole package 
is that uh, not only do uh, uh, the, these groups have to sign off, but the public's really got to sign off, mm -hmm. right? And the public's already tired of tax reform, distrustful of tax reform, distrustful mm -hmm. of the process. So having uh, negotiations going on behind the scenes at a time when the public was told nothing was happening and then coming out with a package might raise some discomfort. And especially with the guarantees in that package that schools will receive minimal funding for enrollment growth and for uh, inflationary adjustments being tied to the passage of the constitutional amendment. They're calling it just critical for education going forward and yet they didn't pass it. They passed it contingent on voter approval. Uh -huh. So if it's so important, why isn't it just the law now? I think maybe the reform process made them think about that a little bit. Maybe they needed to get to a plan where ultimately we need to have the voters approve this based on what they went through with this, uh, oh, the uh, special session in December, only having to repeal their work later. Uh, interesting. Last point on this I mean, one, there was there was an angry public. There was a lot of people who were upset. Uh, the ballot initiatives that were overridden by the legislature, and then you had the tax reform that led to a citizen referendum. This is an election year. The public is, is certainly paying attention to Capitol Hill more now than ever before. And I think lawmakers are now keenly aware of that. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, I want to get into a couple of these other bills. I'm going to go fast and furious down a few of these, okay? Because uh, there's a lot. Uh, but maybe I can bring up one that I was watching because we talked about it on the Hinkley Report a lot. The end of uh, straight ticket voting. Yeah. Straight party voting. That was the most drama we had yeah, last night. Yeah, talk about it because that was, maybe that's why I brought it up. The drama. Talk about it because this is represent Patrice Arendt. Right. She's run this bill for years. I mean, I think and as long years. as I've been covering yeah, the legislature. Yeah. And, uh, Lelisa, you were in the Senate. Uh, what happened there? Well, there were a bunch of bills on the board, uh, House bills on the board that were uh, sponsored in the Senate by yeah. uh, Senator Kurt Bramble, who was the uh, Patrice Arendt sponsor on straight ticket voting. And bill after bill is called and has to be circled because he's not on the floor. Well, a Apparently, that was being done so they could get to the straight ticket voting because when that was called, all of a sudden we heard Brambles, Senator Bramble's voice, and then it was substituted. Yes. Uh, some last minute change. Again. And, and there was literally a gasp like, <laughs> will it make it? And I'm in the House, and I watched Representative Arendt walk into the chamber. Uh, House Minority Leader Brian King walks over to her, and then, you know, I mean, we're all seeing what happened in the Senate. Is this going to make it? And I mean, we're like less than 10 minutes to midnight. Yes. And King walks over to the Chief of Staff for the Speaker, who nods, and then all of a sudden, just a little bit later, as they're debating this, uh, another couple of bills, and you're going, is this going to make it? Is this going to make it? It gets called up on concurrence. They pass it, and it's done. Think about mm -hmm. the evolution of Great. yeah. Think about the evolution of this bill over time as well. When Patrice Arendt first took it up, a Democrat in the legislature, over time she started to gain Republican support. As you mentioned, Senator Bramble, the Senate sponsor this year, that's a senator who is in a deeply red district who is going to benefit from straight party voting, who is uh, sponsoring the effort to get that off. That's pretty fascinating when you ways. think about it that way. And she's leaving the legislature now too, so she got. Right. It's one kind last. of one of her legacies yeah, there. I guess yeah. it is. Okay, let's talk about a couple others. What other bills were you watching? Maybe as well the ones that passed, maybe some that didn't. Okay, Ben, an impactful piece of legislation you're watching. Uh, I think that uh, 
one of the bigger ones was the effectively decriminalizing polygamy in Utah. Yeah. Uh, it was a significant lift. It was not without controversy, um, but uh, it's a definitely a different change of approach for Utah, which has historically prohibited it, has criminalized it, has recriminalized it, and now we've made it effectively a traffic ticket, bigamy among consenting adults, bigamy in concert with other crimes like abuse, fraud, child bride marriages. Those get actually enhanced instead of being uh, reduced penalties, but bigamy among consenting adults, uh, a significant change. Yeah, becomes an infraction. Interesting bill. Uh, uh, Senator Henderson sponsored that one. Glenn? Uh, the breakfast bill, the school breakfast oh, bill, yeah. was a very interesting mm -hmm. one because it taught us a few things. Uh, that bill was using federal funds, authorizing federal funds to expand the school breakfast program. The Thursday before session uh, ended, it appeared all but dead. It had failed a Senate committee. On Monday, the following Monday, it was revived, passed that very same committee with senators who voted no changing their vote, and here's why they changed their vote. Over the weekend, advocates came together, they united, and they blasted the senators, and the message was heard loud and clear. I interviewed uh, Senator Hinkins, who changed his vote. He was one of them on Monday, and the quote he gave to me was that he got all kinds of hell over it mm -hmm. all, over the weekend. Uh, I know Dan McKay did as well. So. It was an angry public. Yeah. Advocates were very excited that they were able to unite, come together, make their voice heard, and enact a change in that bill, and it ultimately ended up passing. Really but did, I think yeah. even beyond that, though, it was constituent communications because they got overwhelmed simply with just angry yeah. public. But it wasn't just the public that was angry, right? I mean, we saw that with the uh, bill requiring women seeking an abortion to have an ultrasound. Yeah. Oh, talk we about saw, that, please. We saw, I, I didn't follow that bill closely, but I was in the Senate when it came up, and it was just an amazing moment. You saw uh, one female senator after another rise up, uh, raising concerns about this bill. Mm -hmm. uh, there was an amendment on the uh, uh, Senate floor made by a Republican uh, uh, female senator, uh, Senator Henderson, to uh, ban transvaginal mm -hmm. ultrasounds. And just in case none of the men in the room understood exactly what that meant, a giant image of the tool used for, for that was, was uh, displayed in, in the chamber. I mean, it was just dead silent. Yeah. Everyone's looking at that. And then when the, uh, when the bill came up for a vote, the, all of the women in the Senate left the floor in protest. And that, that made national news. And not only did it draw a lot of attention to this, this question of, does Utah already have enough restrictions on abortion or not? Uh, it, it drew attention to the fact that there's solidarity on, on the Hill, not just whether you have an R or a D behind your name, but, yeah. but also on issues that, that are key to gender. And we saw that, that bill fail ultimately uh, last night. in the House. And it, it was interesting because that, that protest came at a time when a lot of Republican lawmakers were kind of quietly grumbling about, and, and maybe not so quietly, why are we constantly having to prove that we're pro-life? We already have a lot of restrictions in place in the mm. state. All of these new restrictions come with legal challenges and the costs of fighting those. I asked the governor about that last night in the press availability, and he said that was a message sent loud and clear. All men in the legislature should have heard that message as well, and that their input should be considered when we're talking about these yeah. type of bills. Now, 
he, uh, as you mentioned, that bill passed, so we don't know how that would have gone had it failed. Or no, failed, I mean, yes, make that very clear. It failed in the House. Um, so it, it's unknown how he, that process would have played out if it would have gone to the review process. But he made a very pretty uh, distinct statement on that as well. And that really, I think that moment right there changed the trajectory of that bill once it got back into the House yeah. as well. In fact, it was so impactful that the governor was mentioning it time and right. time again. Because remember, it's a House bill. It passed the House the first time. Uh -huh. Before we leave that, though, Ben, there was one more abortion bill that did pass. Right. Uh, the ban on elective abortions. Uh, there are some exceptions to it. Uh, rape, incest, uh, health of the mother. Uh, the bill does not go into effect if the governor, in fact, signs it into law. It will not go into effect unless the uh, U.S. Supreme Court decides to overturn Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. um, Planned Parenthood has said this effectively bans abortion in Utah. Um, of course, those backers of the bill say that there are exemptions there, um, but another statement of uh, how uh, much Utah as a political body does not like abortion. And so uh, this one has the potential to be very, very controversial, uh, especially if uh, Roe v. Wade is ultimately yeah. overturned at the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, and this law yeah, goes into play if that does happen. Certainly. Very, very interesting. Uh, Lisa. Another bill you were watching closely. I got a couple more, but I'll give you a, give you a chance because you followed us so closely. I was, I was focused so much on on tax reform. Uh, one of the things I was I was really trying to figure out throughout the session is whether there would be some kind of a token tax cut given to, to Utahns, because there were some elements of, ta of the tax reform package that was repealed that, that Utahns did like very much. Uh, one was uh, increasing the uh, dependent exemption on state income tax forms yes. to, to help fix the problem created when the, the federal tax overhaul in 2017 took away that exemption. It hurt a lot of Utah families. Uh, there was also a tax break for Social Security recipients and uh, military pension recipients. And it looked like the, the one that would have uh, allowed Social Security benefits uh, uh, to be exempt from taxes for Utahns over 65 earning up to $45,000. Now they're exempt up to $32,000. So we're not talking about people with a lot of money. We're talking about probably people living off Social Security and some small pension or additional income. Uh, it, was, it was $16 million. The House passed it. It sat in the Senate. I, I think what really did that in was uh, the, the fear over the effect of the new coronavirus on yeah. uh, the revenue estimates that the budget was built, a $20 billion budget was built on. Yeah. A record budget, $20 billion for the state of Utah. Um, let's talk about the coronavirus a little bit because there were some pieces of legislation and some funding, but I want to start with some of the impact on politics because there is uh, an, an impact. Uh, ben, talk, talk about that for just a minute, particularly when it comes to like our caucuses, our conventions, Republicans and Democrats, because some changes are coming. That's right. Uh, things are getting canceled yeah. uh, left, right and center. Um, <laughs> people are starting to try to move things virtually to limit the gatherings uh, following the governor's uh, recommendations. Uh, caucus nights are coming up uh, for Republicans and Democrats, and they're pulling those back, uh, postponing them, canceling them or trying to do them yeah. virtually um, over the Internet. And that's going to be uh, significant. And the longer this goes on, it, it raises questions 
questions about what do you do with the state political conventions yes. where you have thousands of people yes. packed into one area. Uh, everybody's trying to be, you know, cautious and prudent and, of course, following all the proper recommendations. Wash your hands, people. Um, but this is going to impact a lot and, oh, yeah. you know, until the state can just ride this out and, you know, see if we can get on the other side of this and, and kind of get back to some sort of normalcy, at least for now, these big political events are going to be postponed. They I, are. Yeah, I talked ahead. to uh, Derek Brown, the chair of the GOP, and he was telling me they're considering a couple of options. One would be a virtual convention where they're doing electronic voting. And, you know, that hasn't been done before. And we've seen how electronic voting has worked at conventions before. So there could be problems. Mm -hmm. There could be chaos that way. But they're also considering maybe a mail-in option, where it would be more of a mail-in ballot ranked choice voting for the uh, candidates. So those that? are the two options they're, they're looking at. But as we go into uncharted territory, what impact is that going to have on the race? Yeah. There are candidates that have put solely everything into the convention, and now all the rules and how we do this could potentially change. It could have a huge impact yeah. on the race for governor. I'm so curious. And people, other races, for that matter. It, it will. You see, you see some of the candidates talk about, for like for governor, for example, like a Greg Hughes, Amy Winder Newton, <laughs> who didn't even get signatures. They're, they're just planning on this convention. Right. Well, but it doesn't prevent them from interacting with delegates, right? So, because we're talking about these large gatherings, and a lot of the work to, to win at convention is done in one-on-one in -on -one or small group yeah. delegate meetings by candidates. So that's going to continue. Yeah. Uh, well, what happens to those delegates? Because a lot of people are trying to get those delegates if they're. Well, the, what's interesting, and tell you two, tell me if I if I have this right. But my understanding was that uh, with the uh, uh, convention issue uh, uh, with the Republican Party, the delegates that were in place in 2018 stay in place. Yeah. Um, well, there's a little, it, it's a little uncertain there, though, because yeah. the wording I'm hearing from the Republican Party is that the caucus night has been postponed, not canceled. Right. So potentially, they may look at an option of having new delegates selected mm -hmm. down the road before convention. But if not, that would obviously be how it would so, play out. So who do you who do you try to, to win the vote right. from? That's right? another yeah. impact. These are the questions. delegates or And how will it impact participation? Yeah. Will the systems work? A lot of unanswered questions. Yeah, this could be interesting. Well, we saw the legislature, too, take action to be able to re meet remotely. Well, so let's talk about that, because there were uh, several pieces of, of legislation talk about that. Maybe Ben talk about that for a second, too, because you know, they're worrying about, well, what happens if we're not able to meet together? Well, especially uh, in, uh, with a special session, likely, before the budget takes yeah. effect Sounds in Sounds like you're July. about to call that. It's going to happen. I, okay. I, no, I, I really think between the, the constitutional amendment issue and then just the budget issue, there, there's a lot of um, fluidity built into the budget. Yeah. Some of the big ticket items for buildings on, on university campuses, at the state capitol complex, the money's in the budget for those. But there's uh, intent language, as I understand it, that that money cannot be spent without additional uh, Authorization. Which require them to. So it's basically another rainy day fund. Yeah. Just money set aside just in case. Uh, we'd love to have a new building, but if, if the revenue estimates fall short because uh, uh, people aren't out spending money, people aren't earning as much money, mm -hmm. uh, we, we need it. So we need to keep the lights on.
with uh -huh. what we have. Yeah, they are talking about that. And go, go ahead, Ben. I mean, we, there were a number of bills that were run uh, in response to COVID-19. You had the state of emergency that has been extended to June 30th. That also is because of budgetary reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, they also gave the health department sort of uh, just just do what you need to do. We've appropriated 16 million for you. Just just do it. That gives them the authority to do that. The Division of Emergency Management got four million. 24 million was given to seniors specifically for uh, to help respond and help seniors who will be most impacted mm -hmm. by this pandemic. Uh, interestingly enough, on the last day of the session, another bill that just kind of rocketed up to the top of the priority list uh, was Representative Melissa Ballard's telehealth parity bill. Mm -hmm. It expands the ability of, uh, or expands telehealth services statewide, which is going to be essential. This bill wasn't going very far. No. It was just kind of moving through the legislature in just kind of a nice regular steady pace, then all of a sudden this happened and it became a top priority to get done because what it does is it allows any doctor to use it and it deals with insurance parity. And so basically uh, only certain doctors right now, depending on copays and all of that stuff, uh, you know, we're using it. This allows more doctors to be able to use mm -hmm. it. And it became a high priority bill, especially as emergency rooms are being flooded and Instacares and things like that. And uh, they need this option to be able yeah. to treat people. Yeah, that one did rise quickly and passed last night as well. Very quickly. Uh, you all were following this press conference yesterday. The governor uh, was there, lieutenant governor. You had the president and, uh, and the speaker and the legislature there as well. So many people talk about how was that received? You're talking to everyone. Uh, how are Utahns feeling about the state response, Glenn? Well, I mean, it's sinking in. This is real. Uh, the governor making recommendations yesterday about limiting mass gatherings mm -hmm. for even healthy individuals. Uh, so. The last 48 hours have been so fluid and things are changing by the minute. It's really sinking in and, uh, you know, that's why state leaders are coming together and, and try to calm the anxiety, calm the nerve that we're seeing uh, across the state and in the community. So it it's definitely a major player in our lives in so many ways right now. The impact is so far reaching yeah. that it's almost unbelievable and we're sitting here saying, what is going on? Uh -huh. Yeah, you know, exactly right. Glenn, you were talking uh, earlier about the last night of the session being able to find parking and how yeah. empty everything got. Well, what happened was uh, we were wa we were all watching uh, the effects of the the, uh, the new coronavirus from Capitol Hill, the legislative session, which is just jammed with people yeah. throughout. Yeah. It's not a just people, dish. exactly, yeah. but, but school kids coming <laughs> yeah. up, uh, community groups coming up. And this, this after the governor's announcement that, that uh, larger gatherings uh, have to be uh, canceled, the uh, tour office closed at the Capitol, yeah. and that was it. It emptied out. So people are they starting are. to react. They are. We have the last comment on this. We're watching this one closely. Thank you for covering it also on behalf of all of us in Utah. Appreciate the three of you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode of The Hinkley Report. If you like listening to the experts talking about the issues, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.